Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Okay, thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. So, uh, hope each one of you on the screen here had a great Christmas. Uh, if we keep the Lord the center of it, I'm sure it's a special time, but good to see each of you uh, getting ready to get into a new year just around the corner. And I can't think of a better thing to do than to open the Bible and to be able to pray and to do that as family. So that's a great combination. So let's take a minute. Uh, let's pray. And we'll jump into Daniel 7. Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege of gathering as your body uh, on an early morning. To put our priorities straight, Lord, to seek your face, to open the word. And Holy Spirit, we know uh, you're the one that makes the, the Bible alive. So we pray you'd breathe on the verses, that you'd make them alive to us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would underline to each of us those specific parts of the word that you want us to hear uh, specifically and apply in our lives. So, Lord, we just thank you for your presence. And we just ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stretch just one minute. Uh, that's it. We did the spiritual. And now we got to do the... <laughs> I have my wife in the corner over there because uh, her computer, we have our grandchild in there, and that would start everything up uh, if she would be in there. And then you'd have little kids jumping around and dogs crazy, and uh, it would be wild. Okay, so we're doing uh, <laughs> Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is a vision that God gave to Daniel, and he said this, I kept looking in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one, which will not be destroyed short passage today, but it is filled with all kind of good stuff. Uh, so before we get into this vision, uh, we need to see there's actually two visions in chapter seven. Uh, and I think really to give the context of the second vision, I think we need to really read the first vision. So if you would just flip back, I have to just turn the page back. You may not even have to turn the page, uh, but let's look at the first vision. Uh, that's Daniel 7 and verse 9 uh, and 10, because I think this kind of sets the stage, you might say. Uh, so the first vision was this. He said, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. 
and a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. So I think what's really interesting to me <clears throat> here, uh, we, we see God referred to as the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days, I think, is an interesting term. I think it's really talking about the eternity of God, that God always was and always will be. So God's referred to as the Ancient of Days. And I think what's interesting uh, also uh, I think it has something to do with the fact that this is God the Father. So we have the Trinity here. In a sense, we have the Father, who is the Ancient of Days. And it's interesting to me, uh, and, and I didn't realize this too a number of years ago, and you do with it what you want, but it almost looks like God the Father, the first person in the Trinity, it seems that he has a body. And I've always thought uh, over the years that the, the Father is like, an internal spirit. But if you notice how the agent of days is described, his vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. So very interesting uh, that God the Father is described as having uh, white hair. And what's interesting, if you flip uh, to Revelation, you don't have to flip there. I'm just going to do it quickly. I got earmarked different places to look at. But if you look at uh, Revelation uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15, not only is the Father described with this kind of hair, so is the Son. Listen to this. Uh, first, uh, no, Revelation 1, 14. And his head, this is referring to Jesus, and his hair were like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been caused to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. So interesting, the father and the son are both described in these tremendously bright uh, appearances and in a form that is actually physical. But what's more important to me is not just that. It's very interesting uh, on that first vision. It says, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat. So important to me. God the Father is seated literally on a throne. And we're going to get into that in a minute. What's that throne mean? But what makes the Bible very real to me and authenticates it is the continuity. Uh, uh, one second here. There we are. I don't know why my face went off there. The continuity between the Old Testament and the New is very, very shocking because if you go back to Revelation chapter four, same idea of a throne. Catch this, Revelation 4.1. After these things, I looked at behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place. And then here's what John was given. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, here it is, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. One sitting on the throne. So what that's saying to me, in Daniel, it says this. In the book of Revelation, it says this. In the invisible world, we have a very tangible world right here before us that we can see. We can see each other on the screen. But there is an invisible world. And in the invisible world, there is a throne. 
and God the Father sitting on the throne. And what that's saying is he is absolutely 100% sovereign, meaning nothing can come into your life, anybody here, unless God either A, permits it, or B, causes it. Let me say it again. Nothing can happen in your life unless God permits it or actually causes it. And if you put that together with not only is he sovereign, but the Bible is very clear that he's loving, that he's good, he's all-wise, he's all-knowing. You mix all those attributes of God together. And the way I would understand that is nothing can happen in your life unless God permits it. And if God permits it, and he's loving and good and wise, that means he has something good in every single thing that he's allowed to come into your life. So I don't know what you're wrestling with today. I'm sure each of us, there may be things that are bothering us, upsetting us, troubles, pains, who knows what. But that could not happen unless God, who's on the throne, has permitted it. And if he's permitted it, he wants to bring good out of it for you and for me. And the challenge of our faith is to be able to believe him for that. When things look topsy-turvy, when we can't figure things out, when we can't even sense God's presence, to still know that he's a good God and he's on the throne and he ultimately is going to bring to pass his kingdom. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. So I think that's kind of what I wanted us to see here in vision number one. So flip to vision number two, which is the scriptures right now, and notice what he says. Again, two visions given to Daniel, but not just to Daniel. They're given to the church. They're given to the people of Israel, and these visions are very powerful. Daniel 7, 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. Okay, the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? Uh, we don't have to look too far because many times, I'm sorry, my face seems to keep, I keep trying to get, the video seems to keep going on and off. I don't know why, but we'll keep an eye on it. Um, but one like the Son of Man, if you look carefully, you'll see in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as what? The Son of Man. Okay. So here we are, 13. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man, Jesus, was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days. Who's that? The father. This is kind of cool. The son goes to the father and was presented before him. And then look at verse 14. So what's the destiny of Jesus? What's going to happen as the days unfold? Look at verse 14. And to him, Jesus, again, here's a prophecy in the Old Testament talking about Jesus in the New Testament and the wrapping up in a sense of things. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. There's the end game. To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and men of every nation would serve him. Now, right now, obviously, if you look at our world that is so jumbled up and mixed up and in turmoil, it surely doesn't look like that has happened. 
But the Bible is very clear there's coming a day when that will happen. Uh, if we look at Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, and if you look at verse 8, listen to this. And this is about Jesus. Paul's talking about him being found in appearance as a man. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, here it is, every knee should bow. That's going to happen. Every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And that here it is, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, there is coming a day where every knee will bow. Every person that has lived in the past, every person that would be at the moment when he comes back, all the people that go into the future, Satan, and every demonic power, there will come a day where God will say, bow the knee to Jesus, and every being will literally have no options. They will be required to bow under the rulership of Jesus Christ. As I said, that has not happened yet. There's an interim between when Jesus started the kingdom and when it's going to wrap up. We're in that in-between state. So the question to me, and I think the question to all of us would be, okay, what's, what do we do in this interim thing? Uh, do we just twiddle our thumbs and wait till Jesus comes back? Or is there something you and I have to do? And there is something. Uh, Jesus gave the church a prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. I think we are aware of it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus said, when you're going to pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. And here is the key prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer literally has been handed to you. It's been handed to me. In the interim, Jesus says, pray that heaven would come to earth. That's our responsibility and our privilege as Christians, to pray that the heavenly realm would literally come and invade the earthly realm. So when I'm thinking about that, what, what does that look like? What's Jesus actually asking us to do when he says, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? I think some of the prayers that would be encompassed by that prayer of Jesus would be these, to pray uh, for our loved ones, for our relatives, for friends, for people we don't know. What would we be praying? We'd pray that they'd make a commitment to Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Again, every knee is going to bow at the end of time, but our prayer would be <clears throat> that those that we love, that are close to us, that they would bow the knee and that they would enter the kingdom. So if you have loved ones and friends, please include them and pray for them that they enter the kingdom of God. And folks, from my observation, when we're praying for the unsaved, the prayers are usually not answered that I see in a day or two or a week. It usually is weeks 
many times months and years, and that we need to be steadfast, and we need to continue to endure till we see them come to Christ. So one prayer would be, I think, to pray for our loved ones. Another one, I think, is to pray for the revival of the church, for the revival of the church, that the church would not be lukewarm, uh, but that it would be hungry and thirsty for Jesus, that it would be passionate, wanting to share the good news with others. To pray for revival would be to pray uh, that the church would not compromise and that the church would be holy. Uh, we've been this last year once a month praying literally as churches in the area for revival in our immediate area, which is really cool. Uh, and in some of these cases, we've seen maybe 200 plus people come together, 12 different churches and more coming together for one purpose to say, Lord, revive your church, breathe on your church, make it alive, make it vital, make it passionate. Uh, and one of those will be coming up in January. Uh, if you'd like to track this, uh, there is a website for it. It's called Revive Us Again, one string of words, reviveusagain.org. And it'll tell you each month where that specific meeting will be. But a great opportunity to pray for the move of the Spirit. It's so neat to see different churches of different denominations come together with one purpose. So I think if we're praying for the kingdom to come, we're praying for the church to be literally fired up and be ready to go. And I thank God that fusion has so much of that fire within it. Uh, but we've not reached all that we can be in Christ. So we could be praying for revival in the church. I think we could be praying, if we're praying for the kingdom to come, to pray for world leaders, because world leaders have an influence over their nation, but not only their nation, but over the nations of the world. So basically, um, that would be praying for President Biden, okay, uh, for the vice president, to pray for the cabinet, to pray for the Congress, to pray for the Supreme Court, to pray for governors and mayors across the land so important to be able to pray for our leadership. So often we can complain about the leadership, the president, this, da, 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 da. But are we praying? And the Bible's very clear. Every Christian is called to literally pray for the leadership of their nation. And I go further and say, not just pray for President Biden, pray for the presidents around the world because they hold such power. Right now, I have been praying uh, for President Putin in Russia, that the Holy Spirit would humble that man and literally bring him to his knees, just the way Nebuchadnezzar was brought to his knees in the Old Testament. Your prayers make a difference. So pray for our nation uh, in many different dimensions, for the leadership, for the leaders of the world. I think another thing we could pray for uh, is Matthew 9, 37. And that's basically to pray for workers to go out and to get the word out there, okay? Uh, Matthew 9, 37, uh, basically Jesus says this, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out his worker into the harvest. So we could be praying basically for God to raise up people to get the gospel out there and to get the word out so that people can hear it. 
I think we need to be praying for the school systems, folks. If we're in anywhere of the know, the school systems are really battling. And I know where I'm battling and many others are battling is the sexually uh, taught subjects there in the school systems where the genders are getting all jumbled up and mixed up and kids are totally, many of them, getting confused. Who am I? We need to be praying for the school systems. We need to be praying for the bullying that's happening in the school systems that's driving some kids over the edge. So important that we pray for them. We need to be praying uh, for injustices that are happening around the world. These are things I don't think that are optional for Christians. I think God calls us to pray for these things, for human trafficking. What a terrible thing that people are doing this in our nation and around the world. Any form of injustice, we can say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done right in the middle of this injustice. I think we need to be praying for families. Families are under attack, literally. We need to be praying for marriages, our own marriages. We need to be praying for children and parent relationships. So, so vitally important. If Satan can break up the family, he can get us right at the very root of what makes us strong. We need to be praying, again, for the physically sick, for the emotionally ill. And I think it's basically that same prayer. Lord, what's true in heaven, Lord, bring it on the earth. We're basically saying, God, transform society. And it's not going to be totally transformed till Jesus comes back. But in the interim, Jesus said, church, pray this. Pray, my kingdom come. My will, Jesus' will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can't just wait uh, nonchalantly till Jesus comes. We have an active part. Amazing. God has called you and I to be part of the action. It's amazing. Our prayers, our lifestyle makes a difference. Your lifestyle, your prayers make a difference in bringing heaven to earth. From what we can see, Jesus said this kingdom that Daniel's talking about is going to come about gradually. It's not going to come about in a snap. Uh, interesting, he describes that in Matthew chapter 13 uh, and verse 31, Matthew 13, 31, he said this. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this smaller than any other seed, but when it is full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and rest on its branches. Jesus said, there's a mustard seed. It's very tiny, small, but he said, that's the way the kingdom it starts. And when did the kingdom fully break in? When Jesus showed up. John the Baptist said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus comes and he was bringing heaven into the earth. He began to invade the earth with heaven. And he says here, the kingdom is going to spread just the way a little mustard seed grows into a big tree. He goes further. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. So he's saying the kingdom is a process coming on. What's interesting to me uh, is uh, that also he said there's signs. When the kingdom's getting ready to wrap up, signs 
that he's coming right around the bend to come back to earth. Uh, it's interesting if you look at Matthew 24 uh, and verse 7. 24 and 7. We get some of the signs when the kingdom is going to fully come. Before Jesus shows up, it says this. And this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 24, 7. The, For nations will rise against nations, <clears throat> kingdom against kingdoms. Various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. And this, the gospel of the kingdom, shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And then he just gives a, just a little statement about the end. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, and he goes further, he's talking now about the Antichrist. All this is going to happen. And before the very end, before Jesus comes back, the Antichrist will show up. And then, <clears throat> then we hit the end of the end. Matthew 24, 29, and immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its life, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory, and he'll send forth his angels with a great trumpet. And they'll gather together his elect from the four winds from the end of the sky. So basically, we're told all this is going to happen. Jesus will show up. And then there's going to be a separation of mankind. And there's only going to be two places. Either that person will be in heaven or they will be in hell. And Jesus gives another story about that. <clears throat> if you look at Matthew 13. And 47, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a dry net cast in the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they threw it on the beach and they sat down and they gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and we'll cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus says one more thing on that uh, in Matthew 26. 26, um, verse 31 and 32, he said this, But the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, and then he will sit on his glorious throne. There we go, the throne again. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them. From one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he goes a little bit further uh, on verse 34. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. So the blessed are going to get God's approval. 
they're going to be taken to heaven. Uh, but we also see uh, that's not the case for others. If you look at uh, verse 41, then he said also to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So there you go, a separation. But here's the amazing thing as we wrap up this kingdom. Uh, we see at the end of the end, when Jesus separates mankind, heaven, and hell, he gives us a description for the people that have made a commitment to him of what heaven's going to be like. And if you look at Revelation 21, it says this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. And here's some beautiful things. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He'll dwell among them and they shall be his people. God himself will be among them. Get this. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you have tears? I think we all have. You may be having tears even today, but the Bible says at the end, when God wraps the kingdom up, he said, every tear will be wiped away. There will no longer be any death. Folks, we only have to die one time. And if we're here at the rapture, we won't even die. We'll be translated. There will no longer be any mourning. Okay, I think we've all had our share. If we've been here long enough, we've all mourned. We've all mourned because of the pain that we've gone through. He said, there will no longer be any crying, no longer any pain. That's amazing. No longer any pain. What good news. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making everything new. Everything new. And he says here uh, in Revelation 22, he said this. Uh, 22 5 and there shall no longer be any night and they shall not have need of light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the lord god shall illumine them and they shall reign forever and ever so beginning to wrap up here in the daniel 7 it says this as we wrap up the kingdom we hear this he says his dominion is in everlasting dominion everlasting which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed <laughs> so this kingdom folks that we looked at here this morning will go on and on and on and on <laughs> and on and as we've made a commitment to christ and i surely am believing that each of us here on the screen has made that commitment if by any chance you haven't Boy, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life to choose Jesus, to trust him as your savior, to make him your Lord. Uh, that is what it's all about. And Jesus ended the Lord's prayer with these words, Matthew 6. And he said this, 6.13, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus wraps up the prayer. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory 
And let me just end with this. You don't have to die to allow the glory of God to come on you or shine through you. Let me say it again. We're going to, at the end, have the most glorious thing. We'll have new bodies. It's going to be amazing to be in the presence of the glory of God. But we don't have to die to begin to show glory because it says this uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul says this, whether then you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's a game plan for us as we enter into a brand new year that we would do everything, whatever we're doing, that it would bring glory, that it would bring honor to our Father in heaven. And last verse uh, on that idea of glory is 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4.11, and he says this, whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies. Here it is, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, the <coughs> dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, we have an amazing future. Jesus is coming back. He will fully establish his kingdom. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess he's Lord. But in the meantime, in the meantime, brothers and sisters, we have been given a challenge by the Lord. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. And then he says, pray this, pray that my kingdom that's in heaven, that it would come on the earth. So I just pray that each of us would be motivated in a deeper way to pray that prayer. Lord, your kingdom come and pray specifically, as we said, for families, for school systems, for our nation, for its leadership for all that's going on, you can make a difference through the power of your prayers. So talking about prayer, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for these amazing visions that you gave to Daniel. Visions about the end times. Visions, uh, Lord, that your kingdom is going to come. And I just pray, Lord, for each one of us that you would use us to be channels and agents of bringing your kingdom on the earth, Lord, whether it's bringing it uh, on the earth in our families, whether you'd allow that to happen in our workplaces, uh, whether you'd allow your kingdom to come, Lord, through our church, Fusion Church and other churches, uh, Lord, that your kingdom would come and change this planet. So, Lord, we thank you and we pray as it says in Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Well, folks, great being with you on the time that we've had together. And uh, I think I'm going to see you next week on Tuesday. It'll be New Year. So I wish you a happy New Year, a blessed New Year before it shows up. God bless you all. Thanks for jumping in today. Uh, great to see each of you. Amen. Very good.